Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan, as always with me is my friend Mike. What's going on tonight, Mike? Uh, not too much. I'm pretty excited about this one, as, as always. Uh, always excited to talk about some some Weird Islanders. Uh, this one, I think, is you know more more of a, a left field uh, kind of situation than than we normally have. Uh, you know, when when we when launched the show, everybody was waiting for you know, the. Uh, you know the, the the Wendell Clark episodes, or you know those those are those are the the weird Islanders everybody knows and loves, and uh, you know this one I think n- would not come across uh, anyone's mind when when they were making a list of of weird Islanders, and and, th- and there's definitely a pretty good reason for it. Um, <laughs> and he also comes from a weirdly, uh, or he's he's known for his time uh, as on one of the Islanders bogey teams, a team that. I don't care what the record books say, the Islanders have never beaten in, in their 20-something year existence. It definitely feels that way. And there is definitely a good reason why this uh, player is not one that comes to mind immediately, but I'm super excited to talk about him, and I'm super excited to talk to our guest. He covers the Nashville Predators for A to Z Sports, and uh, he's also a huge J.R.R. Tolkien fan, which is always great. We'll promise not to get into Lord of the Rings stuff here, too. Uh, but he's an all-around great guy. Alex Doherty. Alex, what's going on? 
Not much. How are y'all doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we are very well. We're excited to have you on. Uh, before we get to tonight's Weird Islander and asking <laughs> about uh, some some cool Predators history, Mike and I are going to want to know about uh, a recent returnee to the Nashville area, a man who means a lot to both of us, Coach Barry Trotz. So my first question to you is, <laughs> have you seen the coach around Nashville and if so, is he just basically waiting for David Poyle to give him a call and be like, hey, why don't you come work with me again in the front office? Because <laughs> that's what uh, sounds like everybody kind of thinks he wants. But uh, you can never tell with old Barry. He's, he plays things very close to the vest. So I was I was told that he wasn't in Nashville, but then I've heard of people seeing him around. So I, mm. I am honestly not sure where Barry <laughs> is. Uh, yeah. But. But I will say this, I, I people have asked me this question about, you know, is Barry Trotz, you know, is there going to be something happen with him and the Nashville Predators? Because, I mean, you know, David Poyle is not going to be here much longer. I, I, I'll say this, I don't think it'll happen with Poyle as the GM, because that was the kind of the, the, the moment. That, I mean, when, when Trotz eventually left the team, it was a mutual parting, but it was basically a power struggle between him and Poyle. <laughs> And I just can't see Poyle just being like, well, come on back. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's probably going to have to be, you know, the new GM in charge and then, or, you know, maybe David Poyle retires and then Barry Trotz yeah. takes that role. So I don't know, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. The, the Islanders, um, you know, famously had uh, general managers of, of all different walks of life from a, <laughs> a backup goaltender to, um, Madman, a lunatic. Yeah, yeah, we've had a backup goalie and right. a sociopath uh, uh, before uh, Lou Lamarillo. Um, you know, I, I just I find it fascinating uh, that David Poyle has been been he's it. You know, he, the Nashville Predators general managerial history is one man. Um, <laughs> is is it? Do you find most of the fan base? I'll, I'll let you speak for the fan base here. A fan base that, frankly, we we you know don't talk enough about uh, because the paths just don't cross except for like i said the, uh, the predators have never lost to the islanders in in their history um <laughs> what what is like the the like the, the general kind of attitude about poil is it is it like he, he's people are kind of tired of him is it that they they revere him i i honestly have no idea I, it's it's on a, it is weird it's it's like it's an interesting thing to observe in 2022 when coaches and GMs are fired like weekly, right? In, in all the sports, you just see, oh, another one's gone. It's just like, it, it feels like it's all the time. Not necessarily just in hockey, but all, all across sports. And then you just look and it's the same dude <laughs> since 1997. <laughs> it's like, it is very strange. Uh, I would say that a lot of people in Nashville, I, I think there's kind of two camps. There, there, are, there are definitely those people who are like, get rid of him. He's not going to win a cup. And I, I honestly think that's kind of the minority. I think there's a lot of people who really, really appreciate the level of competitiveness that he's given the team over the 25 years. I mean, it's like, you know, they haven't won a cup or anything, but they've been in a ton of playoff series. I mean, there sure. there was a time where, like, they were just kind of expected to go to the playoffs every year. They've obviously had really good success. They won a President's Trophy. And I think there's a lot of people who are just like, I'm I'm good with this level of of competition. But then there's also the people who are like, who and I think these are the smart people, like who are who are scared of what the alternative would be. And yeah. I think right. if you see like if you look around the league, people always want to bring up, they're like, Well, you gotta 
you got to tank to in order to really succeed. And David Poyle doesn't ever want to do that. Well, like there are a lot of teams who have tanked for a long time and not mm-hmm. had any success. Like you can't just point <laughs> at the Colorado Avalanche and say, "Look, yeah. they they tanked and now they're winning cups and they're probably going to win another one." Well, there's a lot of other teams that don't do that. So yeah, the 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 alternative is like, why would you want? Why would you want to risk it? I mean, like you, yep. you could you could roll those dice and really go the other way quickly. I always say whenever people bring that up, it's like, all right, well, we'll tank, and if you can guarantee me that this team will draft three or four Hall of Famers in the next couple of years, then sure, they'll be fine coming out of the other yeah. end of the the, <laughs> the rebuild. But it worked for Chicago and it worked for Pittsburgh, and uh, that's about it. So, uh, and again, they picked up multiple Hall of Famers uh, in multiple years. Uh, I do find it. I would love to ask David Poyle one time, like how it, how he feels every like black monday it's always like a black monday in the nfl in baseball like you know everybody gets fired at the very end of the season he has survived 24 of those <laughs> as general manager of the one team that's pretty impressive if he's just like oh that guy's phone just got turned it, off oh wow i mean you think, <laughs> like he probably he probably made his first you know trade like for the first like what 6 years his trades were via fax like yeah you know, it wasn't it wasn't, I'm sure email was a thing in 1997. I was, I was seven, <laughs> but like, you know, he's, he's shepherded this franchise, uh, mm. through, through like six different NHLs. Um, and that's, and that's incre- incredible. And, and of course, you know, he, you know, the Predators and Islanders have this great alliance with, with Cliff Ronning because, you know, we both, we both got to have <laughs> Cliff, uh, you know, grace our, our presence too. So, yeah, uh, David, yeah. David got Red Cliff Islanders there. And, was he an expansion? Pick? Was he an expansion pick or? Cliff, or was he? Because uh, I, I mean, Cliff Ronning Cliff. was. I, I I believe he was an expansion pick. I, I, I can't remember exactly. He may have. He may have been a, a a free agent, but I think. I think yeah. I think he was an expansion pick. We yeah. we love him. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a fascinating. You know, again, like Mike said, we don't really talk enough about the Predators, particularly on this show, because we always we only ever focus on the Islanders. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's good to to get some new perspective. I will tell you this though: uh, if you are looking for Barry Trotz, you need to check out the the best coffee houses in the area because the coach loves a good cup of coffee, and he was known to frequent many coffee places on the island. So uh, that's, okay, that's the well, place to look for him. <laughs> that's good to know. So there, there was a, he was famous for a t- for going every day to this place called the sub stop uh, mm. it, in, in Nashville that has, you know, since he, so he left in 2014 and, uh, and I think that, I think the sub stop closed its doors in 2016. So maybe he'll never come back because that store is now closed. Oh, no. So oh, my God, he's got, they got to reopen to get the coach <laughs> back. Know, it'll right? be like the bat signal, like they'll bring him back, <laughs> open up and he'll go there. But again, but I think, uh, I yeah, think he was, I think I'm sure that sub stop is like a kid rock sports bar or something like now, so something <laughs> oh. awful. Awful. Oh, no. Well, now I'm very concerned about Barry Tr- where Barry Trotz is going to get his sandwiches. But in the meantime, <laughs> we have a weird Islander <laughs> to discuss. And uh, you you and I actually have a mutual friend, Dan Bradley, another Nashville guy, big Predators fan. He recommended awesome. that I talk to you because you have a wealth of knowledge about uh, some uh, strange uh, players in Predators history. And, and when I offered you our list of weird Islanders, you you focused on a guy who may in fact be the weirdest Weird Islander of all, uh, and we're going to talk about the many reasons why. So, without any more further ado, Alex Doherty, would you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast? That would be Jean-Pierre Dumont, also known as J.P. Dumont. J.P. Dumont, (laughs) right winger, drafted in 1996, and I'm sure a lot of people who were around at that time are thinking to themselves, wait a minute, J.P. Dumont never played for the Islanders. 
You're right. But we're going to get to that in a little bit because <laughs> we're going to start with his Predators tenure, which was uh, by far the most successful of his entire career. But I'll bring it back to you. So what made Dumont? So there's there's actually a bunch of Predators on that list. Vladimir Orzog, uh, Mike Dunham, Marek Zedlitsky, a couple other guys. But you focused on Dumont. So what was it about Dumont that called your attention uh, to all the uh, the weird Islanders slash Predators on that list? Just what, what separated him from the rest of the list, I think, was just the fact that I, I I probably saw more of his games than any of them. Um, and I think his history in Nashville is pretty important for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, so he was basically what I, I would consider him kind of a, like a rocket booster for the predators offense, like mm-hmm. in that, in that era. So he came over, he signed in 2006, the post lockout sort of changes that, really helped teams like Nashville. I'm not, I'm not sure how they affected the Islanders, but they definitely helped teams like Nashville. Mm. Um, were why, you know, they could sign a guy like JP Dumont, because if you remember, he had a arbitration offer or arbitration award, I guess with Buffalo. And then they rejected it. And so he was free to sign. And like, there's no way Nashville could have gotten him at, at a, a reasonable price if they had, didn't have that. And uh, they signed him for like two and a quarter million. He signs and they also signed Jason Arnott at that time. Mm. So they're kind of like adding all these pieces in addition to signing Paul Correa. But like, I think Dumont really was a like kind of a like I said, a, a rocket booster of the offense. Like he was incredibly valuable in the offensive end. And I, I just to give you like context, like for the first nearly 10 years of the Nashville Predators. They were just like so poor in the offensive <laughs> end. It was, it's crazy. I mean, like they, the, the best season offensively was like, I think, I think it was either, it might've been Cliff running actually. Um, and now I'm, I'm blanking. It, 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 maybe it was Kriva Krasov. It was like mm. Sergei Kriva Krasov or Cliff running. One of those guys had like a 20 goal season <laughs> and people were like, wow, you can do that. It's, this is, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and and so like it, it was just you know they they had no sense of like what an offensive team could really look like and i think dumont was a big reason and we could talk more about this as, as we go but he was a huge part of that like increase in offense and i think one of the most important parts of course paul korea was a big part of that too that was dumont's second or dumont's first year was paul korea's second year in nashville so paul korea had already kind of lit the place on fire with his mm his, you know, abilities in the offensive end and then Dumont just like kind of added to it. But that, that's kind of why I figure or that's why I landed on him because I just saw more of him and he also was so impactful in one particular area that they needed. And uh and then also like and I'll we'll talk about this later too, but he's also been like a really uh important uh figure in the Nashville hockey community like overall. So we can touch on that later, but uh, yeah, it's just, he's a, he was a great, a great predator. I mean, like I, I have no, almost no complaints about JP Dumont and his time in Nashville. He was just fun to watch. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that, <laughs> that he had, he had really good he had 66 points the first year with 21 goals and 45 assists and then 29 goals and 43 assists for 72 points the next year. Uh, and then 65 points a year after his goals came down, but his assists came up. I mean, that's three really solid years for a dude playing for a team. Like you said, that wasn't really known for its, it's offense. That's pretty impressive. And the fact that he came over as a free agent uh, must have been, I mean, incredible too. Cause I mean, Nashville at that time wasn't really known for signing. For, I remember the Korea thing being like, uh, 
he signed where? Like it was like what? What? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a novel thing back then to get a, for that team to get a free agent and then for one to work out as well as Dumont did. That's pretty special. So I could see why he would he would kind of be imprinted on your memory like that. And and the team itself stood out. I mean, if you remember, you might may not remember this, but the the Predators were pushing for Presidents trophies those years. Like they yeah. were like at the top of their division, at the top of the conference, like for most of the year, they, they didn't win one, but they got really close. They, they still, to this day, they're, they had 51 wins his first year. They've not, they've not had any more, like they've <laughs> never had a season with more than 51 wins. Like that was like their best year to, by, by wins. Even the year they went to um, the, the final, they didn't have 51 wins. Wow. It's impressive. Oh yeah. The, the, the year they went to the final, they were the eight seed coming out of the <laughs> West. So they were, they kind of backed in there, but yeah. It, uh, so that's part of it. And like he, um, so the, the the in within the context of the team, he was really he was a playmaker, right? So obviously he was a, an assist guy, passing, you know, creating offense in in the other end. But you know, playing with guys like David Legwand, playing with Paul Korea, Jason Arnott. Remember, remember Alexander Radiloff? That's oh, his yeah. rookie year. Um, uh, so he was coming up. Martin Erat. I mean, these are all like these, all of these players. Oh, this is the the biggest thing to me with with JP Dumont. All of those guys had like kind of offensive increases in their in their uh, like their in their offense increased with with Dumont there, and huh. I think he was a big part of that. Um, and he was huge on the power play. I mean, he was like a big part of that. I I, I think one thing about that I remember about uh, JP Dumont the most is you expected points on the board like and that just was not a thing prior to that <laughs> prior to the lockout prior to paul korea and dumont and steve sullivan and are not getting there you did not expect to walk out of there with more than a goal or two in a night and ev- when they were there it was like how many are they going to put up tonight and <laughs> that was a big that was a big change across the line drops it off dumont dumont the shot he the Predators answer the power play goal by the youngster Penner and a J.P. Dumont with his 10th goal of the season, Pete. And he reestablishes a two-goal lead. And it's just sort of a harmless play coming in. He just tees it up. And he just flat-out beats. There's gall off on this one, Pete. There's no big secret about it. No fancy play. No great stick handling or passing. Just a drop pass. He walks into it and just hammers it. Up and over the glove hand. This this Predators team you're kind of talking about a lot here. The uh, or, or you know, six or seven. They kind of look in a weird way, and, and and this may be a little foreign to you, just because we talk about the 2006 2007 Islanders all the time. Um, there's kind of some similarities here, uh, where the Predators have much a few more homegrown players. I don't think the Islanders had more than two players they drafted <laughs> or two skaters they drafted on that team. But then you look down the list and you're like, how on earth did this player end up in, in Nashville? Uh, I guess the term now is guys. And, and I guess Korea is one. Dumont for sure is one. And then of course, uh, our, one of our other favorites uh, where the, the pass across was a uh, big Joe Vosage of the late, mm big Joe Vasacek and uh and then mm. I mean you the, the rest of this team too it's like Peter Forsberg ends up in Nashville yeah that yeah. that was <laughs> you, you talk about like when Paul Correa signed you're like oh, wait a minute the, the Nashville Predators have Paul Correa 
and Peter Forsberg on a team like yeah. and we, and there's a there's the Nashville the, you're saying the Nashville Predators have these guys it it's just it's an it's a beautifully constructed roster from the standpoint of the names on it you know like I I you're telling me that they're an offensive juggernaut I believe you I take you for your word for it bro but like just from looking at like a hockey hockey reference page uh, this one this one definitely belongs up there with with a lot of uh, other ones that that we like to refer to in, in Islander history because there are just some beautiful beautiful names here. Uh, I don't think Jared Smithson ever lost a faceoff. Steve Sullivan um, <laughs> scored. He scored. He, Steve Sullivan. Don't know how many goals he has uh, in his career, but I can tell you that he definitely has a, like close to a hundred against the Islanders. I remember distinctly definitely. in that season. I believe it was that season because DiPietro was in goal, so it might have been pre lockout. Um, he scored a goal with like three minutes left in a third period in a t- tied game. The Islanders needed it. Uh, and Sullivan like beat DPH on a roof, uh, a roof job. And I was like, this guy just, he's, we play him twice a year and he scores every <laughs> game. Um, and then, and then you just don't think about the Predators again for like six months. Cause you don't mm. see him again. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. There's so many guys. How about Vernon Fiddler? Vernon yeah, Fiddler is one that stands out. Yeah. Vernon Fiddler and and also there's some guys on here that are that are comeback guys that are that are like the guys that come back a few years later they they traded for Vernon Fiddler that cup year 2016 and then they I mean Scott Hartnell came back and signed a year Alexander Radulov after his hmm. adventures in Russia came back right. <laughs> it was like there there it's, it's it's almost like they were they had this one really fun year and it really was a very fun year hmm. the trade for peter forsberg was still stands out as one of the most mind-blowing things that's ever <laughs> happened in nashville hockey history like i remember being listening to the radio and hearing i don't know if you guys remember the the hockey insider person uh pseudonymed Eklund? Eklund? Do you remember oh, of course. We, yeah, we know Eklund. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, was, what was it like when, when you saw that, uh, that Peter Forsberg was an E5? <laughs> well, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I remember that, but I remember that he, he like, so this person, whoever the Eklund is, I don't know if he, has he been, has he been revealed? Has Eklund been revealed yet? Or I don't know, but he and I follow each other on Twitter and it has been going on okay. that for so long. I don't know how it happened, but no, I think his, his identity so, is still secret. Eklund went on a radio station was like, I'm Eklund and I'm reporting that Peter and Peter Forsberg is going to the Nashville Predators. And people were like, no, no, he's not. It's not happening. And then like later that night, it it was confirmed. And I was like, Eklund, there's something with Eklund. I think this guy might be right. (laughs) (laughs) We we have a, a guy named Incarcerated Bob. Uh, I'm not even making that up. He's incarcerated. Oh, yes. And, he, yes. and he's pretty pretty much right on most of them. I was sitting on my couch when he said, uh, Matt Molson's getting traded to the, the Sabres. And I was like, oh, come on. And then it happened. And I never doubted him again. <laughs> so there you go. But um, but yeah, no, this is, was a crazy time in, in Predators history. And, and, you know, this was, like you said, about 10 years after the formation of the team. So people still kind of finding their way with the team. I'm sure it's still gaining fans. And all of a sudden, boom. This team has a hundred points, ninety points, and they're they're starting to you know pile up a lot of wins. And uh, they had trouble getting out of the first round though uh, a lot. But um, mm-hmm. what was Dumont like as a, as a playoff performer? I mean, uh, you know, a, a playoff series loss is never like literally on one guy. Uh, but uh, it, was he was he kind of one of the the playoff performers, or was he kind of one of the guys who went cold uh, once the, the postseason started? I think he. I think he was okay. I think the playoffs for us, those two particular years, we we matched up with San Jose very poorly. Like mm-hmm. we lost to San Jose both times. Yeah, that was um that it was it was just a terrible matchup. They were 
they were like a special teams juggernaut. Like they were like they had the number one power play and the number one penalty kill. And like outside of that, they were okay. But they just they just were always getting power play chances and power play goals. And Mm -hmm. I think it was it was kind of like the, the Predators really couldn't they couldn't. They couldn't get past him. I and mean, Vokun was like a pretty good goalie and they just they couldn't they didn't have quite enough. So and, and both games, I think both series went six games, I think. But um uh, Dumont was pretty good. I, I I don't remember him being particularly bad in the playoffs. I think it was just like they couldn't they couldn't stop him, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the offense, it was more about the defense, I think. We remember Tomas Vokun very well from the twenty thirteen series yeah. he played with the Penguins yeah. and yeah. He's the only goalie who made a save in yeah, that series. He, he, <laughs> you won't believe it, but yeah, he, he was the difference in that one in a series that included Evgeny Dabakov and Mark Andre Fleury. It ends up being Tomas Rakun. <laughs> oh yeah, at age, yeah. At yeah. age forty or something. But, bad. Um, it, but uh, I Predators Sharks to me, like when I think back to OLN uh, Outdoor Life Network playoff series, I just close my eyes real tight and I think about you know the playoff series that's uh, that, that's going on because the Islanders are home. Uh, not playing the playoffs. Uh, I can I can picture that series. Like I can just picture myself at, at like eight eight p.m. Eastern time start or a uh, you know ten p.m. start uh, when they're in uh, San Jose. Like I, I can I can just see like Craig Reve skating around or yeah, what, who was the guy Kyle McLaren you know skating around in, in that series and uh, yeah and, and you can hear like Joe Beninati talk about how how great the Nashville crowd is. Uh, you know, this, this is mm-hmm. a hockey town. Like, you know, I'm sure that that became pretty pre- patronizing pretty quickly uh, <laughs> in, in a similar fashion to like when, when the, when the uh, Coliseum was in, in one of its, one of its many last seasons ever, everyone all of a sudden was like, wow, you know, like this place is the best. They don't make it like this anymore. We're like, yeah, no, we tried telling you that. And, and you guys just called it a dump for so long that we <laughs> had to leave. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is predator sharks is, Nabokov on one end, Vokun on the other end. Yes. Dan Sam, who he's like those guys. Like that is an outdoor life network playoff series. It's also it's also frustrating because they had they had guys like Jonathan Chichu who mm. just had insane offensive years that right. are solely the benefit of the rule changes and then just disappear into nothing. Um <laughs> And then, like, and it's just like, man, I, w- I wish we could have, I wish we could play the Sharks now. I mean, like, any time outside of that one, like, 2005 to 2008 stretch where they were like insanely good, we, we you know, we might might have had a chance, but I don't know. It, it's yeah. it is what it is, and I, I think I think that it's not like they would have really done anything after that. I think Nashville just overall in those years just wasn't good enough defensively. By the way, a young Shea Weber on those teams too. So right. yeah. Um, yeah, young Shea Weber, Marek Zidlitsky, Kimo Timonen leading the way. But Marek Zidlitsky, another another. Yeah, he's going to get legend. an episode of this show at some point. Zidlitsky for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you that. But uh, but yeah, no that that team was definitely of its time. And yeah, Mike is right. I could picture. It. I think the Sharks, Predators, and uh, and Sabers, uh, somebody else were always my my kind of go to OLN teams. But uh, so JP Dumont spent five years in Nashville. He scored ninety three goals. Uh, and 267 points in 388 games. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of points. He had eight game-winning goals in one season. 2007, 2008, he had eight game-winning goals. I feel like there are seasons where the Islanders don't win eight games, period. And this guy just won eight of them on his own, (laughs) which is really impressive. Um, But uh, so, I mean, he played 70 games in in 2010, 2011. That was his last year with Nashville. He was 32, Uh, but his numbers were way down. He only had 10 goals and nine assists. 
Um, and then he went to go play in Switzerland. Did, what was what was that like? Was he was he hurt? Was he kind of was he at the end of the contract or what do you I, remember about that? I so he had yeah he had um, all right so in 2008 that second year he was in Nashville he signed like a four year extension hmm. and then it really started declining after about the second year of it and uh, I think that they I think it was like some sort of a loan thing with uh, SC Burn because he had been. He went. He went there during the lockout, right? right? So he, like so many other players, played played over there during yeah. the lockout. And I guess I, I don't know the details of how the contract ended. I don't think it was a buyout or anything, but I think it just was like I'm going to go to SC Burn and play over mm. there for a while, and then uh, yeah. be done. But he has since come back, and and I was yeah, going to mention this. Yeah. So he's like, along with a lot of other Predators players who who come here or you know through over the years realize that you know Nashville is a pretty cool place. He's this is his home now. He lives here. He was named the um, um, what's it called? The uh, director of hockey operations for the junior Preds, the the mm. uh, the the youth development team right. here in Nashville. And he's like he's the coach of one of the teams, I think the 15U team. And he's also a coach of a local high school here. Like he coaches uh, a local private school. He's got four kids. They all go to school in the area. He's just a really like he. So he's a, he's a big part of the of the team here. He, I mean, he just seems to have just made his new home here. And, um, I, I think that that's important and something that maybe, you know, you might not mention if for other, other big teams, like, I don't know if there's a lot of Islander players who just you know, kind of make, make that area their home now. I mean, maybe there are, I'm sure there oh, yeah. are, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's it's... basically, they all do it now. Like, yeah, <laughs> okay. They've been together forever. Okay. Yeah. You know, if okay. you look at their roster, it's like, you know, from, from, now Barzell down to Matt Martin. It's it's just guys who've who've lived in the suburbs of of Long Island. Like we we called them the other night, just like the uncles. They they're all like uncles to each other's kids and stuff. And, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, they've been here forever. Um, but it's it, but it's, it's, particularly... it's, a, it's a running theme. It's a running theme on, on Long Island, and it's all about the schools. Yeah. Good. Always. Good. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 And Nashville has some pretty good schools too. And and I think I think it's particularly important for Nashville just because of the youth of the of the of the sport to the area. I mean, yeah. like if you have guys like him, uh, I mean, even when we were talking about trots earlier, like it's really important for the hockey community to have someone, you know, a Canadian, first of all, and, and also like someone who knows the sport and knows what it takes to, to play it and knows. And, and it's also someone that a lot of the people in the area were watching 15 years ago. Um, that's pretty important for, for Nashville. And I think it's great that he's here. And so, yeah, I, I think the Dumont acquisition for Nashville was like as important as the Korea one as J- Jason Arnott. And, and, you know, I mean, people just like JP. I mean, he's yeah. a great dude. He's, he's, yeah. he's easy to talk to people. People really like him. You can talk to him after games. You can talk to him. Uh, I mean, at the place where I play, um, uh, I, I play twice a week and he play, he coaches his team. And you'll see him just talking to talking to fans after the game or or after the practice or just chatting with people. He's just a really yeah. good dude. That's awesome. Yeah, and the Islanders have a lot of guys like that. Uh, Benoit Hogue is the first guy who comes to mind. I think he coaches the the Junior Islanders, and and he was big in the '90s. And uh, yeah, you could just see him. You walk into a restaurant, and there he is. And he's just lived there all his life. And obviously, we've always had guys the late Clark Gillies, uh, Bob Nystrom. Like you couldn't go to a game without seeing these guys. And 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 then they become like kind of your friends and you'd be like nye and bob nystrom just waves at you i don't know bob nystrom personally i just know who he is and he just waves because he's just such a cool dude and, and he, like you said he's they've made that area their home like they that meant so much to them and they just love to stay and it's awesome and again we don't talk enough about 
you know, I mean, obviously nobody talks about the Islanders guys who stayed there. We always hear about the guys who are from Toronto and live in Toronto and make their home in Toronto and bleed blue and white, even though they never played for the Leafs <laughs> at a point, any point in their careers, Jason Spezza, but I don't know. I'm just kidding. He eventually did play for them, but, uh, but we never hear about guys doing that for other teams. And like, they, they exist. Like, you know, you, like you said, this guy was signed as a free agent and, or, you know, uh, whatever uh, contract dispute. And, and then he just stayed and now he's coaching youth hockey players and, Hanging out with people after games, it's awesome, and and we should we should hear more about that. It, it's great stuff. Your your mention of Bob Nystrom, I mean, I, I we can't we have to mention former Predator Eric Nystrom. Yeah. Oh my goodness, his son, and and he was born. I mean, I you, this is no surprise, but he was he was born in the middle of the Islanders' fourth cup in the eighties. I think it was yeah. either their third or their fourth. So anyways, yeah. that is, that is, no, he is, I wanted them to sign Eric Nystrom forever. I had a buddy of mine who went to Michigan and Eric Nystrom played on the team there and we kind of bonded a little bit and I always wanted him to sign with the Islanders. And then I read an article once that said that Bob didn't want his son really to sign with the Islanders because there is no, there is no winning when you're Bob Nystrom's son and you're playing for the Islanders, you know, uh. what are they going to do? Make him wear 23 and do the whole thing, like, make him grow mustache and the whole thing, like that guy did. So. Never, never worked out. But uh, yeah, he had uh, he had some pretty good good years with the Preds. That, that's a great, that's a bonus, bonus weird player for everybody. There you go. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but we need to get to the Islanders section of the program. And again, JP Dumont never played for the Islanders, but he was drafted by them, and he left in a fairly well publicized tiff with the previously mentioned sociopathic general manager they had at the time. So uh, he was drafted in the first round, third overall in the 96 draft. And uh, I have an article here. I'm going to link to it from Lighthouse Hockey. Mark's great lost Millberry files. These are all awesome. Every one of them was hilarious. And I, I revisit them from time to time. And it was basically down between uh, Dumont, who had played well for uh, Val Dior of the QMJHL, or a guy named Alexander Volchkov, who was a Russian player. And uh, there was a little bit of uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, wonder if Volchkov would even play in the States, if he would come here. And so Mike Milbury, the general manager at the time, opted for J.P. Dumont. And now Dumont's numbers in, in the queue weren't really that great, but his last year, he exploded. And in fact, he had a great playoffs. And, and as was mentioned a million times in a million different Newsday articles at the time, he actually uh, outscored, he broke Mario Lemieux's QMJHL playoff points record or something, which, you know, is the kind of thing that makes it seem like, oh my God, this guy's really, really good. But, you know, year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, this dude isn't signed. And of course, Milbury, a man who has never been able to keep his mouth shut ever at any point in his entire life, um, talks a lot about how, you know, they want this guy to be a certain thing, wants to do this, wants to do that, and doesn't know if he's going to sign. Well, he finally does sign. They get... Dumont to sign on the dotted line, and then they immediately trade him and a fifth-round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks for some dude named Dmitry Nabokov. I don't think he's in relation to Evgeny much later on. Uh, this was a very, very poor trade, to say the least. Uh, Nabokov would only play 30 games for the Islanders, scored four goals, nine assists, 13 points, spent most of his time with AHL Lowell Lock Monsters, Get a Lowell Lock Monsters jersey at VintageIceHockey.com, I think. You should check that out, or a t-shirt at least. And then he went to the Russian Super League, which is just about the coolest name for a league I think I've ever heard, uh, and was gone <laughs> forever while J.P. Dumont was, he played a little bit with the Blackhawks, 
was eventually traded to the, the Sabres for Doug Gilmore or with Doug Gilmore for Michael Groshek. That's a, that's a 2000 trade if I ever heard one. And then, as Alex mentioned before, he signed with the Predators later on. Was any of this at any point brought up at all during Dumont's Predators career? Like, why did the Islanders ever let this guy go? Like, what what were they thinking? I mean, obviously, Milbury was kind of gone by this point. But, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, does, does this ever come up? Like, what were they thinking? I don't understand. Why not keep this guy? I mean, I doubt it. But just kind of curious. <laughs> I, I mean, Dan, Dan I'm going to be honest. I didn't know any of this until <laughs> you contacted me a couple weeks ago. So this is what we live so with no, here, Alex. I, this is our life. <laughs> we know this stuff. No, I, I, for as far as I knew, JP Dumont just came up with Buffalo and yeah. was just playing there for a while, and then the Nashville, then they did let him go, and just Nashville swooped him up. That's all I knew. I only knew him as a Buffalo Saber and as a <laughs> as a Nashville Predator. Wow, it's yeah. there's, no. there's I don't know how many players you could definitely fill a whole roster mm. of guys who Mike Milbury uh, traded away from, and 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 we're talking about promising players who had a uh, probably had to to deal with some like mental demons from the way they were treated by the Islanders <laughs> sociopathic <laughs> general manager that we keep bringing up, um, you know, from. Guys like Tommy Salo down to uh, you know Chara, yeah. <laughs> like these these are players. So it there there will be a time you know because we can tell that you're you're one of us. You're one of us. Where you'll you know you, you can just name guys uh, and and think about guys um, and you'll you'll <laughs> click on you'll click through some of their pages um, and if you see you know New York Islanders draft pick between 1996 and 2003. Um, and then notice that, oh, I don't think of that guy as an Islander. Um, <laughs> you can definitely get yourself down a, a very fun rabbit hole where you hear that Mike Milbury has either, you know, offended his family in an arbitration hearing, <laughs> drove him to the airport to to make sure that they traded him. Doesn't uh, like the cut of his jib, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then these guys, wouldn't you know, all have very successful NHL careers right. uh, for teams that are not the New York Islanders. What What is the, what is the, is there... Is there like an all-time Mike Milbury draft oh. pick, like uh, all-star team? Like I, I'm just looking at it now. Like Roberto Luongo, I, did, I didn't know that he was. <laughs> yeah, Eric Brewer. Yeah, I mean, oh uh, yeah, we 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 made he made the uh, the shrewd move of trading Lu- Roberto Luongo to make sure that he could draft Rick DiPietro first overall in a draft that included Marion Gaborik. Uh, now that is a, that's a name. That's a name I remember. I do remember the Rick DiPietro yeah. only because it was like a huge deal with that contract. And I remember yeah. ESPN talking a lot about that contract. Yep. So. Uh, the fact that Luongo thanked the Islanders in his Hall of Fame speech a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> really just that was the cherry on top of, of the perfect uh, Islanders scenario. But uh, yeah, no, all this all this happened. And and I remember this kind of around this time and being like, man, this Dumont guy is really good. But like. Is he ever going to play for the Islanders? And, uh, you know, he he was a big dude. You know, the, this was when I first started hearing like, oh, scoring numbers in the QMJHL don't mean anything. Everybody scores big in the in the queue. But then I was like, I don't know. They could use a guy who scores a lot of points. That That's something the Islanders really <laughs> don't have. Um, and then when they traded him for this Nabokov, I was like, who? I, I just this was also I mean, this was 1997. So there was no. No real internet. I mean, it was just very barely getting started. No Twitter or anything. You couldn't like, there was no, you know, hockey reference or elite prospects. You could look up, hey, what's going on? 
And the fact that Nabokov showed up and really didn't, you know, like distinguish himself in any way, shape or form, just, you know, kind of added to it. But, it, but at first, neither did Dumont. Like he didn't really do much with the Blackhawks. He didn't really like make it seem like the Islanders got let one get away. Uh, I do find it funny, though, that um, Milbury said at the draft, like, we can't afford to mess it up. The burden is on us. Like, we need to make the right call. It sets us, if we don't make the right call, it sets us back a lot, one or two years. And then he, you know, traded the guy that he picked. That was, I guess, the wrong call. I don't even know what's going on. Um, the best thing that Dumont really ever did for the Islanders had nothing to do with the Islanders. He scored a hat trick against the Rangers uh, when he was playing for the Blackhawks. He didn't score a lot of goals against for the Blackhawks, <laughs> but he scored a hat trick against the Rangers. And so we appreciate that, JP. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so then he got traded to Buffalo, and that's where things started to turn around. Seasons of 23 goals, 22 goals, 20 goals. You know, kind of made himself a regular. Um, and then by 27, again, he, he ended up in in Nashville uh, where he, he really took off and and really enjoyed it and and made the most of it. So. Uh, I guess it's safe to say the Islanders kind of did him a favor by letting him go and, and have the career that he did. And, and like you said, give, gave him a new home, gave him a place to, to live and, and a place that's really taken to him. Uh, I, I think that that's actually kind of a, a nice ending to a story that really still bothers me. I got to tell you, it really does bother me that these <laughs> things have, have gotten, have gotten away from the Islanders as often as they have, but. What are you gonna do? That's yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> I I wonder. I mean, I I, I wonder um, how he feels about the Islanders now. Like, mm. if he thinks if he thinks that they they did him a favor, or yeah. if he thinks of it like, well, I would have end up ended. I would have you know, if he's if he's the kind of guy that's confident enough in his own abilities, like I could have done this anywhere. So it's not like right. it could have been in New York, could have been in Buffalo, could have been in Chicago, could have been in Nashville. But um, I was also gonna mention like I I think the one one thing about Dumont that that uh is is important that we sh- that I should probably say here is that like it wasn't just him i mean like he mm. they they can they did a really good job building that roster he's not a he's not a a star you know put him on any roster he's going to dominate like he did, mm. he's he really isn't that level of player but like he if you give him the right ki- kind of players around him uh, that's going to make a difference. I mean, he played with like Arnott and and Erat pretty much exclusively, and then like also played with Radulov, like really good like offensive players. But you know, I I think that's that's a big part. Like I remember there was one game I remember going to. Well, two games I remember specifically in Dumont's career. The first game of his career, he scored thirty nine seconds into his t- Nashville Predators career. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it was opening night. Opening night, 2006. I probably should have led with this. That would have been a better, a better That's right. But uh, 2006, opening night against Chicago. Um, this is pre-Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Chicago, by the way. But So not like a not a real tough team. And they, uh, 39 seconds in, he goes out and scores a goal. And people were like, oh my gosh, this is the new guy. <laughs> and then the final score, we actually lost that game. It was 8-6. to six. We lost the game 8-6. to six. <laughs> So again, we had problems with defense, but one thing I remember is so, and and this gives you a little bit of context of like, uh, like I said earlier about like Nashville, just generally being tough offensively, like could never score goals. There was this uh, promotion every night where if the predators scored four goals, then everyone would get a taco from taco bell. And 
I remember people were people started asking the the ushers, "Do we still get the taco if we lose?" Because <laughs> they scored they, they scored six goals and the Predators lost, and, we, and everyone was like, "I can't believe they scored six goals and lost." Can you do? How is that possible? And then people were asking if they still get the taco if they lose, and I remember that specifically. That's and amazing. JP Dumont made that memory happen. The other one was. Uh, it was like around Christmas time that year. I remember going to this game too. It was against the Kings and uh, uh, Dumont had like a, a, a crazy good night. Like he was like two goals and two assists. Uh, and the final was seven, nothing like they destroyed the Kings. And this was like kind of where people were like, Oh, wait a minute. This team might actually be pretty good. <laughs> and uh, one, one just moment. I remember in that game. This is really anything to do with Dumont, but Dan Cloutier got kicked out of the game for <laughs> experience. <laughs> For spearing Scott Hartnell, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that stuck sticks out because uh, Scott Hartnell and Jordan Tutu could go out and just like cause havoc, and mm. then like JP Dumont could just skate around and score goals, and yeah. that was like a big part of that team makeup. So that's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> Islanders, the Islanders have had guys like that too, where you know Mick Fakoda and Ken Baumgartner would cause havoc, uh, Darius Kasparitis, and and then guys like Ray Ferraro and Benoit Hogue would score goals. So it was kind of cool. Um, and, and I know we're, we're getting towards the end here, but Alex, it, it would be remiss for me because he is one of my favorite players ever, uh, to play for the Islanders. Um, and another one that, that crossed paths with, with your predators. I actually think he, he had to wear number 81, uh, with you guys during his stint. He had played for another 11 teams besides the predators, but, uh, what is it like in Nashville when the name Mike Sillinger is brought up to you guys? Uh, so I would say kind of like just peak Barry Trotz. I mean, like, I think that's, that's kind of like what, <laughs> what Trotz would, would want in a yep. player. I mean, like two way guy, I guess if they, if you could really call him a two way guy, uh, I don't remember a ton about his career. I mean, I don't think he played much in Nashville, but I, I would say like, that's a, that's a big Barry Trotz name right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, they signed him and, and Brendan Witt, I think in the, uh, in the same day. And they both, I guess they both were trade deadline acquisitions for, for you guys in, mm, in that okay. season, the, 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 the season, the next season. That's I right. Guess, or the the pre- previous season. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. They, they were needing a center. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. Cause they had, they had Korea and they were like, well, we need another center. Well, how about Mike Sillinger? Okay. <laughs> and then wasn't wit was, was wit with you guys when he went nuts and like climbed over the glass to get at somebody or was he still with Washington? I mean, he was, he was, uh, Talk about sociopaths, but I don't uh, recall. I Brendan Witt, I think, wasn't in Nashville very long, but maybe. I mean, he could have. He could have done that. Sounds like him. <laughs> M- Mike Sillinger has absolutely my favorite hockey reference page of all time because he has so many different jersey numbers with so many different teams and so many different colors and borders that it looks like a a bingo board. Like you just want people to start calling out numbers so you can try and make a a line across or or down. It cracks me up. But uh, yeah, Mike Sillinger. Oh my gosh, I just I just pulled it up. Holy cow, that's crazy. (laughs) That looks really awesome. This is not right. This is like computer code here. It's insane. (laughs) Um, I am going to, though, ask you about one other person, though, and I mentioned this, somebody who uh, is almost as old as Mike Sillinger, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he has been in, in Nashville for a very long time and uh, has had a huge impact on the Preds and their fan base. And I think a lot of people don't realize he was an Islander, and that is Terry Crisp. Terry Crisp was known as a hockey coach. He coached the Flames to the Stanley Cup one year, uh, and he's been in Nashville forever as a, as a commentator and an analyst. 
But I'm not sure a lot of people realize that Terry Crisp, when he was a player, he was an expansion Islander. Like we're talking, you know, 72, 73, way before any of us were watching around watching hockey and uh, was actually involved in one of the most important trades in Islanders history. He was sent to Philadelphia for defenseman Jean Potvin, whose brother Dennis was going to be available for the, as the first overall pick in the 73 draft. So if not for Terry Crisp being moved to Philly, uh, they probably wouldn't have gotten Jean Potvin and they probably wouldn't have gotten Dennis. And well, that's probably a stretch, but you get what I mean. Uh, but uh, what does Terry Crisp meant to the Predators and their fan base? Because, I mean, he has been there forever. And like, I feel like it's not hyperbolic to say that he's probably taught most of the city and the state of Tennessee about hockey throughout that entire time. Is that is that crazy or is that oh. pretty much what's happened? Oh, not no, that is definitely not crazy. <laughs> I, I would say Terry Crisp like completely changed the way that Nashvillians like understood hockey in, <laughs> entire like completely. I mean, I, honestly, it, it it prior to the arrival of Terry Crisp and being on the color commentary and being just a, an overall just kind of personality in hockey or in, in Nashville, I don't think Nashville really knew what to do with hockey. Like I don't <laughs> think they really understood like it was just kind of this other thing. But when he came in and kind of gave it this level of like color and energy and sort of he he kind of allowed fans to watch hockey in the same way they watched football or baseball. Like, Mm. hey, this sport's pretty fun and we can kind of watch it the same way we watch football. It didn't have to be this complicated sport and the Mm. rules are actually kind of simple. And and there's a personality in this game that you kind of want to watch. And uh, that he did that like nightly and. And I think part of it is like I think people needed to see uh, kind of their their drinking buddy <laughs> uh, be be a, a personality that could watch the game and and you know like he he was always on the broadcast kind of like allowing I mean this is sort of what color commentators do but you know if a guy makes a bonehead play he would call it out if if there's a bad call by the official he would kind of yell about it if there's a a weird decision by the coach you know he'd point it out and and that was. That was something that I think a lot of people in Nashville didn't know you could do with hockey. They didn't think about <laughs> the game that way. And uh, so he he definitely affected that tremendously. That's awesome. That's a, And he's still there, right? He's still doing, he does radio now. Is that wrong? Is that right? Or uh, yeah, he, he yeah. does. He does some TV spots in the, in the, in the, like the intermission stuff. He doesn't do, he doesn't do real color commentary anymore. I think every now and then he'll jump in there and do something with Pete Weber, who mm. also is a huge part of right. uh that team, Pete Weber, just—I mean, that guy's brain is insane. I mean, I—I I, I don't know anyone smarter than Pete Weber. So I cover the games for A to Z Sports, and there's like a you know like a media lounge or whatever with cookies and hmm. drinks and coffee and such. And every now and then you'll see Crispy in there, and I saw him on Saturday, and I asked him what kind of cookie he was eating, and it was—I was trying to find out if it was an oatmeal raisin cookie or if it was a chocolate chip, and. It was a curveball. It was a chocolate oatmeal. Um, yeah. So, so an oatmeal crisp, an oatmeal cookie, oatmeal crisp, an oatmeal cookie with chocolate chips in it. Exactly. Yes. Wow, that's an innovative. That's a that's a cookie innovation. I'm not sure I saw it coming. That's amazing. I was gonna <laughs> guess oatmeal raisin. He, he seems like an oatmeal raisin guy. And listen, I like oatmeal raisin cookies too. But Terry Crisp seems like kind of an oatmeal raisin because he's a hundred years old. But you know, I, I would say you know Butch right. Goring would probably who's our guy. I, I don't know. Butch obviously hasn't sort of. He he's been on the Islanders broadcast forever. I'm not sure he really taught people the same way that Terry Crisp did, but I, I don't know. Butch Butch looks to me like he doesn't he doesn't really eat cookies. I don't know. I don't I'd have to we'd have to get some research in on that. We'll have to find get some spies going at UBS Arena and see what kind of what Butch snacks on in between uh, well, uh and, periods. And I think I think I think Crisp Crispy like um 
I mean, he ch- he definitely changed the way that I watched hockey. I mean, when <laughs> I first started watching, I was kind of trying to understand this game in, in 1997, 98. I was 14 years old trying to understand what I was watching. And he would kind of break stuff down in the in the intermission or even during the game and talk about now this pass right here that just when when Erat made this pass right here this was a terrible idea because look at look at where the defense is set up this is not a good pass this is not a good pass he should not have made this pass and it's like you didn't see that we never really thought about it like oh this is there's order and structure to this game and there's decisions that matter and it's not just total chaos everywhere yeah it's not not dudes with knives on their feet flying around all over the place with no idea so yeah that's pretty cool no that's really good and you know you don't again just like mike was talking about with david Poyle earlier like it's it's very rare to see you know so many teams that we follow in every sport have been established for so long that it's very rare to kind of see a team you know from the beginning and, and move along into different phases and stuff like that and to have a person who's been there that long really kind of gives you a perspective into like this is how this team got built and and the predators have such a, they you know they're they're having a good season right now uh they've got a fantastic fan base we've seen that a lot and i mean you know it's, it seems like they're they're building the right way and you know when they were trust me we were both rooting for the predators a lot when you when you play the penguins in the stanley cup final you get a lot of people Uh-oh. rooting for you <laughs> particularly yeah, islanders fans and just about everybody else in the metro so uh it's it was it's interesting well, to see I, you know yeah, I, I definitely remember that. And there were a lot, there were a lot of people rooting for the Predators. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we, a lot of people in the Nashville Predators community were rooting for the Senators to win that game seven because <laughs> we knew if they, the Predators right. played the Senators, there was going to be a Stanley Cup in Nashville. Yeah. But since it was Pittsburgh, it was like, yeah. oh God, here yeah. we go. This is going to be impossible. Yeah, we know what, it, what we know all what it's we know very well what it's like to have your spring ruined by the Penguins. Uh, but we've ruined a few of theirs too. So <laughs> to, <laughs> it's a little, a little. Uh, what's good for the goose is good for the Penguins. So there you go. Uh, this has been so much fun, Alex. I really, I'm glad you were able to come on with us and talk with us. This has been such a, an insightful uh, look at a team that, again, we we we're just as guilty as anybody of of not you know giving the Predators enough attention, but. Yeah, we, we spend most of our time talking about the, the New York Islanders and then the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and, and the, the 87 writers for the Toronto Maple yeah, Leafs. Yeah, it's uh, bad. It's bad. Which, which takes up too much time to, to it's get eight, to. It's, it's down to 87. I thought it was I thought it was over 100. I guess it's <laughs> it, feels like, it feels like 100. It's, only, it's 87. Well, well those, I, I can only have access to 87 because the, the remaining ones have blocked me. Uh, so so, so, so it's, a dwind, it's a dwindling number every right. every day. Right. But, yeah, where's the, where's the where's the part of this podcast where you talk about how this affects the Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, we have so we have another podcast called Islanders Anxiety, yeah. and uh, I would say once it's a weekly show, and and, and once a, a month we spend t- the last, and I'm not even kidding you, the last 20 minutes uh, of the podcast uh, kind of strolling around Leafs media sphere. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to send those clips to you every, every, every month or so. And, um, yeah, if you're uh, not already privy to them, I highly recommend avoiding them because it's a sickness. <laughs> we really need some help. But, it's, it's terrible. It, it is, but it's nice. It's nice knowing other people who, yeah. who in, in a different time zone, uh, who, who are aware and, and, and are able to poke fun as well. It may, yeah. it may, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, uh, yeah, um, I have a problem, and and you know I should I should probably stop paying so much attention to, to the the inner workings of the Toronto Maple Leafs media politics. But right. and then then we talk to someone from Nashville who who can see through it too, and and it, it does make me feel a little bit better, not just about myself, 
but it's about the world at large. <laughs> we're we're a little bit we're a little bit insulated from it. I mean, it, it obviously doesn't something that's. I mean, we get that in droves, but about college football. So it's <laughs> like, uh, unless um, if it's a Saturday in October, November, December, whatever, uh, the, no one's not a lot of people are talking about the Nashville predators, but mm-hmm. you got to wait till like spring comes around for, for, for that to be a topic. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. Like yeah. how, how does this, uh, <laughs> how does the current Nashville predators lineup, you know, affect the Tennessee Vols? You know, <laughs> that's kind of the, that's, that's the translation right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody talks about the Islanders anywhere, Long Island or elsewhere. So it's, uh, I could, I could sympathize <laughs> with you. I believe you, especially when the, uh, you know, I mean, the Islanders, we, we've talked, they're like the, the ninth most popular team in, in, in the New York area, being beating only the Devils and Nets, basically, and, and the Red Bulls. That's about it. So uh, we, we definitely uh, know where wow. you're coming from. But uh, yeah, the, your, your Tennessee Vols are our New York Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, and Knicks, basically. And uh, But the good news is people only care about the Rangers when they make the second round of the playoffs. So so we don't have to worry about that right, too much, right. but that's cool. Uh, but uh, letter. So, I mean, if people out there are listening to this or looking for uh, a great source for predators news, uh, where can everybody find you uh, where you're writing and uh, where you are on social media? Yeah. So I, I write for a to Z sports. And so we have a lot of, di- we cover a lot of different teams uh, as the name implies and a to Z sports.com slash Nashville predators is where you'll find all my stuff along with a couple other guys that, that do stuff for us. Um, I am on Twitter, at least for now, uh, at <laughs> yeah, Alex Doherty one. Yeah. <laughs> I am <laughs> just hanging on by a thread, seeing right. what happens, but I am there for now Alex, at Alex Doherty one. You can find me there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to put a link there and uh, everybody should uh, follow Alex for all their predators news as well. And by the way, I used, I used to write for, uh, on the four check. So that is how I know Dan Bradley. I used mm. to write and, uh, uh, manage this, co-manage the site uh, on the Forecheck SB Nation site for yeah. the Predators. So I, I love it. I read it all the time. I, I go back to Dirk's years on on the Forecheck where I, I read all oh, the yeah. time. So oh yeah, for sure. Check it out. But uh, yeah, but uh, definitely if you're looking for Predator stuff, read Alex at A to Z Sports. Follow him on Twitter. I'll put a link to his uh, his page uh, in the article for this. And uh, thank you very much. This this has been great. I mean, it's really very insightful. You know, we're, we use this. We we first started this podcast to like basically just talk with our friends for an hour about old Islanders, but we're trying to expand to other folks <laughs> and meet other people and, and get other insight from, from uh, different places. And, and this has been really great. I, I would love to get down to Nashville one day and, and check out a game and uh, see what's going on down there. And uh, hopefully you can get to UBS yeah. and see what's going on up here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, yeah. Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it as well. This has been great. Uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Find Mike and Twitter at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at Action Network during this completely insane World Cup that is turning him into a complete lunatic. <laughs> Not because <laughs> of work, but because of uh, uh, let's just yeah. say uh, some uh, some wagering that he's, has been I'm, going on. I'm just very generous with 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 my donations. To, he's to he's the, been to donating money. They need it. Yeah, they need it. They they, need they it. do. They they do. They're they're struggling. Uh, huge soccer superpowers. Won't, won't someone please think for think of the sports books for once? <laughs> please, please give them give them all your attention and uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later. And until then, keep the Islanders weird. Bye bye.